Hello, my beautiful, beautiful people. Welcome back, and thank you so much for spending time with me. I am so thankful that you guys are coming back. We are now at episode nine, the next to last episode of the official Your Conflict Coach podcast. And as always, my name is Hannah, and I'm your conflict coach. So with us being so close to the end of season one, I want to really start wrapping things up and tying up some loose ends for you guys. And I think one way for me to do that is to revisit each of the things we've visited so far in the past episodes and let me answer some questions that you guys have had following those episodes. Maybe that way I can help you transition from one concept to the next, from one idea to the next, kind of understand how they all play into each other and how you can actually apply them into your day-to-day life instead of just knowing what you're supposed to be doing. Because that's the goal. And you know, each episode that I've done has been so different, but I've tried to really follow the process of healthy conflict resolution, effective conflict resolution, collaborative conflict resolution, constructive conflict resolution. I've tried to build that framework and kind of follow the process. And hopefully, I gave you guys some ideas that you could build on in an order that makes sense to you. But I know that it's been a lot of information kind of crushed into short pieces. And I want to hopefully tie up some of those loose ends and answer some questions and give you guys a little bit more of a steady, consistent understanding of what these concepts look like in practice. If we look All the way back at episode one, one of the very first things I mentioned is that conflict by nature makes us very uncomfortable. And that makes it really scary. We have a lot of fear surrounding discomfort. And so one of the first steps in approaching conflict in a healthier way is making sure you shift your mindset. and. I mentioned that the goal for the episode wasn't to resolve your conflict, but to help you approach it in a way that facilitates resolution, not destruction. Shifting your mindset and understanding that difference is key in approaching conflict in a healthy way. And in that episode, I also introduced the different conflict styles. We talked about avoiding and how that's one of the most common conflict styles because our fight or flight kicks in when emotions get high. And if your natural reaction to fight or flight is flight, then your natural conflict style is probably going to be avoiding. And that's super common. We talked about accommodating and how doing things for people, being a giver isn't inherently bad. It's inherently good. But when you're an accommodator, You're accommodating others so much that you're not giving yourself the opportunity to be vulnerable with these people and let them know the things that matter to you. We also talked about dominating or 
competing and with dominating it's the fight side of fight or flight right so we're really feeling that need to be heard and understood and we're willing to fight for that in that moment when emotions are very high but we also talked about collaborating which is what we want to be able to do in conflict it's not always going to be possible it doesn't have a 100 percent success rate but it is the ideal conflict style in most conflicts because it's both people or all people involved working together to find a resolution that works for everybody working as a team and if you've heard the saying you know it's us versus the problem not me versus you that idea is collaborating but we also talked about compromising because a lot of people believe that compromising is the ideal way to handle a conflict and compromising isn't inherently bad but when collaborating is an option and you can work together to find a win-win solution, then why would you be willing to compromise and both take some losses or all take some losses? Compromising is a really good backup plan if emotions are too high or if you need an immediate resolution. Compromising can be great, but collaborating is always what we want to strive for and we want our relationships to be open and understanding and vulnerable enough that collaborating is welcome. And is understood as the conflict style that we want to use most of the time. And, you know, a lot of the questions I got about episode one or after episode one and two did kind of get answered in later episodes. But I did have a lot of people ask me questions like, you know, if I want to collaborate, but my boyfriend's an avoider, am I just doomed? that kind of thing you know if I'm an accommodator and my best friend is a dominator and it's just easier for me to give in is that wrong you know I have these questions and people wondering if the style that they instinctually turn to is something they're stuck with is something they just have to live with and my answer to that is absolutely not you can put in work to change your natural reactions to things it takes well there are several quotes at this point and I think they all give different numbers but it takes several times doing something to build a habit and I think honestly it depends on what you're doing but personally I think I use a different conflict style in every situation just depending on what I feel will work best and cause the least amount of damage in that relationship there are other times where causing damage in the relationship isn't necessarily my main concern, and that's okay too. So it definitely can be situational. And just because something's your instinctual reaction doesn't mean you're stuck with that. It's not, you know, we have Myers-Briggs personality types or Enneagram tests, and I love those. Do not even get me started. I love them so much. But conflict styles are different in that we have on some level control over them we definitely have natural reactions we have instincts but we have the power to rebuild our habits we have the power to say i don't like reacting that way i need to start figuring out how to react differently and that that the information that can help you do that 
is what I wanted to provide in this podcast. And if there's still gaps there for you, that's also the type of thing I can provide as a conflict coach. So again, there's a lot of value in knowing people or asking people for help. People who have experience and skills in this type of thing because it doesn't come naturally. It's very hard to handle conflict in a healthy way. But if we're ever going to have a generation of people who can handle conflict in a healthy way and naturally do so, then we have to start retraining ourselves and relearning those instincts and figuring out how to manage our reactions in conflict so that we're not handling it in a damaging way. We're handling it in a way that makes sense and that builds the relationship and that creates room for resolution. And then as we move forward through the season, I really started focusing on those destructive reactions, how we react when our emotions are high and how that damages our relationships and damages the possibility of us reaching a resolution in that conflict. So we talked about the different types of common destructive reactions and how there are passive reactions and active reactions. And it's not necessarily about whether you react actively or passively. Both of those can be good or bad. It's about specifically which reactions you're having and whether or not those reactions are playing a productive role in the resolution of the conflict. And I emphasize that because I had a lot of people ask me if it was better to react actively or passively. And the real answer is that it really just depends on the person and the situation. And that's why I recommend to look closely at the reactions you have that are destructive, the ones you don't want to have anymore, and look at whether or not your tendency in high emotion is to react actively or passively. You know, when you have those really emotional destructive reactions, is it just blind anger and rage? Are you retaliating? Or do you avoid the conflict, hide really important emotions or self-criticize, make the conflict worse in your head and bigger and blow it up way out of proportion? Everyone is different and every situation is different and every relationship is different. And when you look at those destructive reactions and analyze whether or not you instinctively want to react actively or passively, then you can look at some of the common constructive reactions that tend to push a conflict forward towards resolution. But as I said, those destructive reactions come in moments of really high emotion, and you're not going to be able to reflect on that well in the moment. So that's why it's important to know what our triggers are, know what those hot buttons are, be able to recognize things in other people or situations or environments and say, this might be a trigger for me. I need to be paying close attention to my emotions and whether or not I'm reacting negatively in this situation. And if we know what our triggers are and notice those patterns and learn to watch for them, then that's when we start being able to reflect on our negative emotions when we do have them. 
and learn how to flip them into constructive reactions that play a positive role in the conflict and help us reach a resolution and help you be heard and help you gain more understanding and connection in that relationship. And that's the basis of collaboration. So bringing that full circle, when we jump forward to episode six and seven, I believe, we start talking about fault and blame and how not important they are in conflict resolution. And people generally really don't like hearing that. And I got people asking me, wouldn't you need to know whose fault it was in order to solve the problem? And my answer to that is genuinely no. Most of the time, I mean, there are special circumstances, there are cases of abuse, there are exceptions to every rule. But in general, if you're in a relationship with someone, any kind of relationship, romantic, friendship, workplace, internet, family, doesn't matter. If you're in a relationship with someone and you're in conflict with them and that relationship matters on any level, that relationship has to stay a working, healthy relationship, then it needs to be resolved with collaboration, if possible. And if you're using fault or blame to decide how to solve the problem, then at that point you're making it a you versus them problem. And if our goal is collaboration, and if our goal is to not damage this relationship, then we need to be able to approach it as us versus the problem, not me versus them, you versus them. And not to mention from a logical perspective, the number one way to make someone react emotionally is to make them feel like they're being attacked. And if we start discussing the concepts of fault and blame while we're highly emotional, while we're in a conflict, the only way that can come off is attacking. Whoever's being blamed, whoever's being discussed as the possible at-fault party is going to feel attacked. Whether it's 100% their fault or not, making someone feel attacked is not going to make them want to work together to find a solution. And more importantly, it's going to make them so emotional that they cannot logically work with you to find a solution or understand what you're saying or hear you out. You're ruining any chance of having a civil, logical, understanding conversation with the other person or people or party or whoever it is. And as I've said, emotions are such a huge part of our individual perception of a conflict. And we have to be able to recognize that everyone's perception of that conflict and their perspective on that situation that you're in is based in their own emotional reality that is completely different from yours. And that's where their logic is going to be based from. So the way they reason, the things that make sense to them, the actions or behaviors or words that they choose 
might make sense to them and might make zero sense to you. Whether they're at fault, whether they're to blame, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, that relationship has to be a working, healthy relationship. And to maintain a working, healthy relationship, you have to stay on the same team. You have to be able to work through problems together. Figure out why that conflict exists between you. No attacking, no blaming. And when you approach a conflict from the perspective of what's misaligned in our relationship, in our connection, what's off, and what needs to change in order to make this conflict go away, then it's no longer about who needs to change or why it happened. It's about whose responsibility is it to make sure it's back on track. And if it is a working healthy relationship, then that responsibility falls on everyone involved. When you switch your mindset from whose fault was this to whose responsibility is this, it becomes less about blame and more about connection. Healthy accountability in your relationship. Understanding of what the expectations should be and why. And one of the things I really emphasized in previous episodes is that collaboration is impossible without communication and comprehension. And everyone involved in a relationship should be responsible for not only communicating their expectations, but also putting in effort to comprehend the expectations of the other people involved. What do they need and why? And can you provide that? And I think that thought process is what led a lot of people to ask questions like, what if I'm doing everything I can and nothing's changing? What if I'm doing this, but they're still reacting destructively? What if I'm doing all of these things and trying to be better and trying to be different and trying to build my relationships and they're not letting me? I'm trying, but I'm getting shut down. And that's why I did my last episode on stonewalling, because when it feels like you're putting everything into a relationship or when you've exhausted all your options, maybe I'm saying these things and you're thinking, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. And sometimes that's the case. Because there has to be at least a little bit of give and flexibility from everyone involved if collaboration is going to work. Because it is, in essence, teamwork. And when I get questions like that, people asking me what they're supposed to do when they can't make the other people involved handle the conflict in a healthy way, the only thing I can say. And the only thing I know to be true is that we cannot control the reactions of other people. We can only do everything in our power to communicate our needs and be open and honest when things hurt us, when things bother us, 
when we think there might be a misunderstanding or especially when we think there might be a misalignment, could be a potential conflict. If those responsibilities and expectations are communicated, then we should be doing those things. And if we're doing those things and they're still reacting negatively, they're still reacting poorly, they're still refusing to acknowledge the conflict, they're still being avoidant, they're still doing those things that are damaging the relationship every time you try to build it back up. That's the case and the conflict in the relationship is being stonewalled, remember that you cannot control their reactions. You can only control the way you react. And you can control what you allow in your life. You are in control of the boundaries you set with the people you love. You're in control of whether or not you say yes or no to requests that come your way. You're in control of the decisions you make on a daily basis. And you're in control of the way you decide to react and handle conflict. And that's true for every individual person, including the person who's refusing to meet you at your resolution efforts. And something I've said in almost every episode is that conflict is misalignment and it gives you information. Something's misaligned and there's information there for you. And just like you get to decide how you're reacting to the conflicts, you get to decide what you take from that misalignment and how you react to it. And as I've said before, conflict is uncomfortable. It is emotional. It is confusing. And most importantly, it is inevitable. And that can make it really hard to talk about. It can make it really hard to confront. And it can make it really hard to commit to resolving it. And so while I know this can be heavy, I hope that I've provided some sort of guideline or framework or foundation that you guys can use and learn from and work off of to make sure you're handling conflict in a healthier, more productive way. Obviously, this week I just wanted to answer some of the most common questions I got, hopefully fill in some gaps and clear up some things for you guys. Next week, I hope to be able to approach this process in a little more organized way and maybe give you guys more of a clear blueprint, something you can apply to your everyday life and your everyday conflicts, give you a chance to practice some of the skills and tools that I've talked about here, and hopefully go out there and make our world a little bit more of a peaceful place to be. That's all I have for you in this episode. I truly hope you learned something today. And even if you didn't, I want to remind you that sometimes unlearning things is just as important. And that takes time. So I leave you with this. What's one thing you can start to do better today? As always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Your Conflict Coach with two H's. You can also email me at Your Conflict Coach with two H's at gmail.com. 